0: Welcome back we are we have the opportunity of going through this is really a third part of a series and each part of the series is is an incredible perspective i personally just exploring it has been really a remarkable perspective on uh, on our nation on what it means to be jewish what it means to be a nation in general so today's topic is ingredients of nationhood we're going through the passages of what it means to be a nation so this this week we talk about the notion of empathy I think this is a really important value for a nation to have um, uh, in order to be afford to be a cohesive nation. We'll take a look at some perspectives in just a moment. Um, we're going to start off by, by, by thanking um, three families who are sponsoring today's share. First is to Rosemary and Erwin Fish, who are sponsoring for the Rafur Shlema, Mordecai ben Sipora Malka and Shandel Bas Rachel. The Rafur should be Karova Lavoy, and it should be a Rafur Shlema, Ezra Sashem. Rosemary, we're doubling and we're continuing to, to, to hear, hope to hear good news, Ezra Sashem. We are, also, uh, we are also learning today, um, and we thank Naomi and David Casowitz, who are sponsoring um, upon the fifth yard side of David's father, Mr. Gabe Casowitz. We remember fondly Gedalia Yitzhak Ben Shmuel Yosef Olav HaSholom, whose fifth yard side will be on the 10th of Shvat, and also um, David's grandmother, uh, Mrs. Sarah Casowitz, Sarah Bas Gedalia Alea both who, um, who have um, very special namesakes, who Mr. Shem will continue to bring tremendous good and light into this world and uh, bring, uh, bring Nachas to the nishamas they are named for as well by Hashem. And also I also want to thank Tibi and Tibi and Ali Schwartz who are sponsored today for the <coughs> yortzad of Tibi's father Aaron, Ben Yaakov, Sholem, Oliver Sholem, whose, tenth yortz, uh, whose yortzad is also on the 10th of Shvat, and in his name much, much Torah and incredible things are being done in the world and the community. Baruch Hashem. Nish- Eden. let's Eden. Let, let's, let's jump straight in. We actually start off at a very obscure place in the storyline, a very obscure place in, in, in the, the, the entire story. This is a story which is not much studied and perhaps it's because it's the end of Safer Shmuel Bays and perhaps it's because it's such a difficult story to read, but it, re- it requires a little bit of uh, a little bit of resilience to, to get through the story. So here we were told and if we're going to ass- assume that it's chronologically accurate, meaning to say that it's the right this place that it actually occurred in life, it follows a whole slew of difficult times in David Melech's life. David Melech has a rebellion at the hands of his son Avshalom. There's a, a civil war waged against his son Avshalom, and uh, he wins, but ultimately his son is killed. David is is very, is is very much in pain over that. He returns to Jerusalem to, uh, only to be attacked by another pretender to the throne, Sheva ben Bechri. They are able to quell that rebellion. And now he's finally returning. It's been a very difficult time for mm-hmm. David Melech. There's been the, the, the attack of his daughter Tamar, the killing of Amnon at the beginning. Just one thing after the next has been very, very difficult. And so after all this, now David Melech has to contend um, with this very interesting episode. Here's what we have. So let's take a look at it. It's only 14 psukim long. And it gives us the platform to understand a very crucial aspect of what it means to be Jewish, um, ironically. Oh, and a special, special mazel tov to Esther and Baruch Weinstein on Ben's engagement last night. What a special, special mazel tov. It should be even happier than last night, which is saying a lot. Um, so, it's shem. She continued nachas. Let's, let, let's learn. we got it just in perfect timing. There's just a couple of extras over here. So we, we hear that there's a, a famine. The famine in times of David. made There's a famine. The famine lasts three years. Now you know what it's like in Israel. We feel it. You really feel it. You really feel the pain of, of, of missing the rain. If the rains are late a few, a few weeks, a few months, people are talking about the inch by inch of the kinerets, right, it's you, you're feeling the pain. Imagine three years, there's just not been rain. Agriculture, it's an agricultural society, everything's suffering. And so he turns to Hashem. <laughs> there's a castigation against you because of Shaul HaMelech, because of the house of blood that he killed the Gibeonites. <laughs> so you call these, call these Gibeonites. They're not Jewish, they're not part of the Israelite nation. So um, they, were not, they had a, a, an oath of protection, and yet they were, they were killed by Shaul when protecting the house of Israel and Judea. I know that somehow something's not right. So we need to fix it. You need to tell me how I can fix this so that we can have rain again. Um, they're, they're hard dealers. So Listen to this. No amount of money is going to fix the problem. We don't ask for the for the life of any Jew, any any Israelite. So what can I possibly give to you? There was one person who hurt us, who decimated us, who killed us. And who's that? And that is Give us seven of the children of Sha'ul that we can hang them. Because ultimately it is him who caused us so much terrible pain. The king says, I will deliver them so he saves mephiboshes the son of yonatan who had a very close relationship he, he spares mephiboshes remember be mephiboshes um is physically challenged remember he's is eating out david's amelech's table he he spares him however wa yakara malik shne benari spare is harmony with mephiboshes es khamesh basmi khal bashoa shel adriel ben barzilai bekholasi he takes two children of Ritzbah, five children of Michal. It's not actually Michal because Michal was his wife. It refers to as, afraid, I understand, as Meravah, as we'll see later on in the Pesukim. That's, um, that's Shaul's other daughter. So he takes two and five of the children and he hands them over. They hang, they hang them, they kill them. Um, and I killed at the beginning of the harvest season. <laughs> this is terrible, this is tragic scene, this, this image. And Ritzpah is the mother of uh, the two of these children. She takes a sackcloth and she spreads it across the rock. she chases away any of the birds or the animals to touch the bodies of her, of her children. And he hears about what happens um, with the with Rizpah. It's a long story, who she is, why. It's, there's a lot of background to who she is. If you remember that Shaul and Yonatan were killed in battle. And the Pelishtim had taken their bodies and hung them from the ramparts of Beishan, which is a Philistine city. Then the people of Yavesh who had a close relationship there with the children of B'nai Ephraim on the Trans Jordan, went and, and a, in a night in a, in a, in a mission, went and removed the bodies of Shaul and Yonatan and, and buried them in Trans Jordan. David now reinterred them in the appropriate place he took, he took the, their bodies, the bodies of the children of Shaol es and he buries them in their ancestral burial ground. This is the end of the story. And what happens is is that Hashem allows the, the famine to end and everything goes back to, to, to regular. It's a it's a it's a shocking story. It's a sad it's a terribly sad. Story. A lot of a lot of things to think about here. Um, We're we getting too involved because there's not a Tanakhshir right now, but it is worthwhile noting just a few interesting pieces. Rav Menom Bazak has a very beautiful perspective on this. He says that if you notice that a, there seems to be a, a, a theme of the word Shavuah and Shiva. You notice that? There's seven children and there's, a, there's an oath. There's a few oaths that are going, are going around. Let's just go backwards for a second, who they are and why we got to the situation. When the nation of Israel arrived in the land of Israel, they were told, according to the, the classical approach, that they have to obliterate all the seven nations. However, the generally, generally understood approach is that they have to bid for peace first. They can't just come in and kill everybody, they have to say, on our terms, meaning to say, if you want to make peace with us, you can make peace, but you have to renounce your paganism and, you have to, and, and, and you're going to have to pay taxes. That's the way it works. Um, so it turns out that there was one nation, um, it seems that, although they described as the emorite, which is the, uh, an umbrella term, they seem to be part of the chivi, uh, the chivites. And they hear about the nation of Israel coming in. They hear about the, the, the unbelievable battles at Jericho and Ha'ai and they say, hey, well, we're, we're not in for this. So what do they do is they make this, there's this whole subterfuge. They dress themselves up as if they're from far away, they pretend that they've traveled in from Africa, and they say, we're this faraway nation, make, make, make an oath that you won't hurt us. So you're, without looking too much into credentials, you see in those days, the, the social media port, uh, pa, um, profiles were harder to access, right? You couldn't just work out where they were recently with their kids on vacation. So it's harder to see who they were, so they took them at their story, they saw that they saw that they had these, you know, the worn-out shoes, broken, broken pieces of bread in in, in their in their uh, um, in their satchels, and they said to, they said, you know what? We'll make an oath. We'll, we'll we'll look after you. Then suddenly, word comes out that they actually they're from just over, from over the hill, right? They're actually a Canaanite nation. They're one of the Canaanite nations, a very powerful city, and uh, and they already made the oath. So what do you do now? It's under false pretenses. They didn't understand who they really were. But Yeshua says, nonetheless, we will honor the oath of Hashem. We made it with Hashem's name as a whole nation. We will honor it and we will make you, because of your, um, your dishonesty with us, we will, we, we will make you in society water drawers and wood, wood hewers. Right? So they're going to be a subservient <coughs> part of the nation, but we're going to protect you. It's interesting well, to why note... You have no reason to honor that. Good question. It's a really good question. So, it seems that when you use the name of Hashem, and a nation uses the name of Hashem, there's a great gravity to that. It's, it's it's not taken not taken lightly. And they give them an art to apply playing on that. They knew that it would be discovered. They 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 were playing on. They were hoping on this. And sure honors that he honors that shavua. And he protects them. So much so, just in case you, you, you want to follow up on the story, you move into the later chapters. Just after this in Sefer Joshua, what happens is, is that the king of Jerusalem says, this is nonsense. Givon was a big city. Givon had a lot of, a lot of warriors. This was not nonsense. They go into attack Givon, right? Because they say, we're going to obliterate these turncoats. And then Israel comes to their aid and actually defends them and fights an alliance of five kings. There's a very remarkable battle that takes place after that. But Israel actually honors that Shavuot, not just by not killing them, but actually by protecting them. Right? So there's an internal warfare in Israel because of this. Fast forward many years, now we, now we have this, this whole situation of the Givonites. So apparently Sha'ul has treated them badly. Why? Hard to know. But it's interesting here that, that what happens is it seems that Sha'ul, for whatever reason, Sha'ul may have good reasons as to why it was that he maimed them, but he was not so respectful of the same Shavua. Is that interesting? And seven of his children, Shiva of his children, were taken back. It's interesting in Sha'ul's life in general, Shavuot is a complicated issue in Shavua's life. For instance, he, he says that whoever tastes, tastes food on the day that he's going into battle the Philistines will die. Who tastes uh, food on that day? Yonatan, his own son. He says Jonathan should die because he says this is a Shavuot, And the people say, no, 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 it's, Jonathan. it's your son. it was a mistake, he didn't know. He, he was the one who won the battle. Then later on he says a Shavuah, I'm not going to kill David. But then what does he do the next day? He throws a spear at him, at the wall. So his relationship to a Shavuot is complex. Shavua's relationship to a Shavuot is somewhat complex. Whereas David Melech, if you sort of put him at the other end of the spectrum, is a person when he, when he swore to Shimi ben Gaira and he says that although you cursed me, a terrible curse, I'm not going to kill you, he didn't kill him. At the end of his life he told Shlomo, this is what happened, I can't do it, maybe you should be clever. <laughs> yeah, but later on when he, when he made a Shvua to whom? To Yonatan, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to look after you and your children. Right here, as he's honoring the shvuah essentially a protection of the Gevonites, he's also honoring the shvuah he has to Yonatan. So there's a, the, the Daul seems to be very, very respectful of the Shua, Al in general seems to ha, have a mixed relationships with the commitment that was made through a Shua. And this seems to be sort of coming to a fore in this, in this story right here. But that's, that's sort of a, a broader theme to think about um, as well. Another broader thing to think about and we, before we get to, to the, to the, to the cracks of the issue is, is that the Bible says that perhaps the reason why this actually comes chronologically at this point in time is Daul HaMelech has suffered immensely in his life. David Melech has suffered, in fact, his, his wives and his children have suffered. Why? Because of a sin that he committed. Because of a sin that he committed. The Ba'at incident is Shmuel, uh, Shmuel Bay's parakel Aleph and in every interleading chapter up to now, up to Aleph, has been suffering for David Melech in his life, in some, some quarter of his life or not. And David Melech has the rightful question, says Zabar Benel. Why should they suffer? So Hashem says, let me tell you something. Sha'ul's action has an impact on his children. And it has an impact, by the way, this is a 40-year interlude. 40 years later, the children, the children were still held culpable for, for that sin. He says, yeah, you should understand that his action was against a, even an Israel, a non Israelite nation. You, who sinned against an Israelite, how much more so? So part of it is a, is a response to Dalmenech's own theological questions as well. Abi. This is just a question. I mean, like, you know, we, we always follow, like, neither can I get neither, right? Yep. Uh, my understanding is that, you know, the sin is, is more about, you know, no vera that they Oh, yes, yeah, so we'll get there in a second, yeah. Oh, okay, they lost their, their ability to make a living, you know. How is that Mida connected Mida, you know, like to take his, the debt that you know, the children? children. Good, yes, yeah, so there is more There is more to this than the Misa'ah. Let's let's jump straight into the Gemara, because now we read the text. Now let's read the subtext, right? So, so Chazal provide us a little bit of the background to this. Yes, Just quickly, maybe it also goes back to what you said during in, in uh, Ali Ayomi, with, with the Gaviyah. And the oh, good. Gaviyam, that it goes back to a way earlier Shihua. Interesting. Very interesting. Good, I, 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 I can point. The point is well taken. Thank you. That's my my, my mother's uh, my mother's point. So, um, so so kind of coming back to this uh, to, to to this idea, I'd like to come back to it because actually there is another aspect of this that that, um, that I think we know but we don't realize is connected as well. Tobi. Isn't there a so concept you can about people? How does that work? Oh, good question. Yeah. Well, you know, so when, when you're dealing with urim v'tumim, apparently it's a little different. Meaning, he, the, 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 we'll see in a second, this seems to be like Hashem was articulating that this was the solution. It wasn't Darah Melech saying, I'm going to, and this is... No, 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 this, this seems to be al P Hashem, which is what makes it much more uh, intense as well. Let's, let's take a look at the background. This is a famous Gomorrah in Yovamas. The Gomorrah tells us a very important lesson that's learned from this, but it also gives us the subtext and context for the story. So we shift forward into Source 3, where the Gomorrah tells us, um, uh, starting on Ein Chesimah Beis, going into Ein Tesimah ein Aleph, so he says, This is this nation that we talk about over here. This story is not just an inconsequential story about a tragedy. This, in fact, is a halachic story, says the Gemara, to tell us the status of these people. And therefore, when the Torah said, when the Nach said, Loi binay it wasn't a description, it was a prescription. It wasn't David Melech saying, by the way, those givonites they're not uh, of Israel. This is David Melech saying they will not be part of Israel. They will not be part of Israel. Why? Now that, that's the that, that's the con- continuation of the Gomorrah. My timer Ghazar Alam, why did he make this decree? So now here's the subtext. Shana Rishona, after the first year of famine, Terror, terrible thing in the land of Israel. He said, I read Kriyashma every day, right? And if we don't serve Hashem, then the, and we serve a pagan deity, then there's not going to be rain, right? So he says, okay. He says, anybody serving Avodah Zarah, he does a thorough research, sends out the police forces, checks intelligence, let's taps the lines, no Avodah Zarah. Right, so he says that can't be it. So he does the research on the first one. By the way, notice by the way, by the way he's not blaming anybody else. Right, he's not blaming the Jordanians, and he's not blaming the economy. And he he says, well, what are we spiritually supposed to do about this? Right, that's the Jewish response to things. So the second year, so don't turn to the boss By the way. You may have not written this yet, but the concept was certainly around, right? That, uh, that maybe this perhaps relates to immorality in society. Maybe that's why we're not getting rain. And he said, he found that society was acting in a immoral way. Schlish is the third year. Maybe there are those who make uh, pledges in, in public for Tzedakah and they don't give it. Whew, this is very heavy, folks. Very heavy. So it talks about, this is again over here as a in, in, in uh, Mishle, where it talks about a person who makes a, pra- a praise. Um, um, a person who's getting... We'll call it glory from a false promise, right? So people say that they're going to do things and it doesn't really happen. By the way, I'm hoping that this is moving in the anticlimactic sense. Meaning to say David Melech is looking for more and more, we'll call it, lesser known of so to speak. But nonetheless, he still can't find that. So he says there's something's going on, there's something wrong in society, and it seems that society is alright. So what's happening here? So, Omar, It can't be about society, it must be something that I need to fix, says David Melech. That's very unusual to hear a leader say. You will never hear this on Twitter, never. Okay, okay. So I've I've looked into this problem and I realized that actually, in fact, it's my problem, my fault. No, um, that has never happened. So, you then so he then So searches. He speaks to the Rivotomim. Notice he doesn't go to the Urimvatumim first. He first does the he does he does the necessary inner work. Um, so one thing he said, Hashem says, is you did not treat Shaul Ameleh properly. You didn't, you didn't give him a hesped. Now, by the way, Dovid Melech did do a hesped to him when he killed the person who murdered Shaul, right. in, in his, in, in, who was already in the process of dying. Um, but, but then, and Melech did give, a, a, but it wasn't enough. Which is why at the end of the whole episode, that's why David HaMelech goes and reinteres Sha'ol because he feels there was a, dis- a disservice to it. Where does this happen? So, Abby, as you said, When Sha'ol destroyed the city of Nov, which was the city of Kohanim, which is where the Mishkan was residing. It's as if he killed them. Because they were, supp- they were supplying more food and water to them. Now, just to remember a little bit of background, David Melach is now a refugee. He's running away from his father-in-law, Shaul Melech. Shaul Melech is trying to get David Melach at all costs. David Melach seeks refuge in Novi Rakhanim, which is where the Mishkan is residing. That's why it's a city of Kohanim. And when he's there, he's praying to Hashem. Happens to be there's a very firm fellow who's next to him, who's also Daviding. And his name is Doeg Gaidom, he happens to be Shaul's advisor. And he goes back and spins a yarn to Shaul and he says that actually Navira is supplying and helping and abate, um, um, uh, aiding and abetting David Amenach. Da, Shaul Amenach therefore summons a the tribunal because why does David Amenach keeps, keeps escaping? He keeps slipping, uh, slipping through the, the net. He, and without giving Achimatsan uh, uh, the, the, the opportunity of a real defense, he, he sends Doeg in who seizes and they massacre. Can you imagine this? The city of Kualim, the place where the Mishkan is because Davr-Menach, they supplied food for, for Davar Melech. The Gemara says that somehow that relates to the Givonim as well because they were supplying water to them. Who's the them? Rashi says it's because the city of Nov were the suppliers of water to the Givonim. So now you cut the pipeline and now they no longer have it. The Marashah says no, it was the other way around. The Givonim, in fact, were the food suppliers to Nov, Iraquanim So therefore, if you kill the buyers, therefore, you're killing the market. Once you kill the market, they no longer have. A commerce and therefore, and therefore, it's essentially do- dooming them to, to to death as well. Now, as 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 Abie points out, it seems a little too detached, right? See if this is the, if this is the accusation, it seems very much like a grammar, right, and a, a cause a, a, a secondary causation. However, just to, to 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 add a few little pieces here, in which which Adam Shem say, in addition to the Gomorrah, is a could it be an interesting point is, is the following. Where is it that, Sha- the, the, that the Mishkan moves to after Nov? Does anybody remember the name of the place where the Mishkan moves to after Nov? Givon. Is that interesting? Do you know what most, most people say that the Mishkan goes to Nov and Givon, right? You take it for granted, Givon, of course, now it's a Jewish city. That wasn't a Jewish city. So how's the Mishkan there? The answer is, they weren't there anymore. How weren't they there? Answer is, Sha'ala must have killed them to put it there. Now Sha'ala had probably reasons to do this, but understand. That when the Mishkan moved from Nov to Givon, Nov was after Nov was massacred. How did it get to Givon? It's probably part of that same massacre. Just to appreciate the background of that movement. Which we, we take for granted, right? That's what must have been happening. Why? Again, there's the the surmise, the, 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 you know, it's, it's, we don't have all the proofs. But it could also be that, remember, Givon or Seen are always this, this complicated entity. They're on the fringe, right? They, they're, they're not, they're not Israelites. They they really uh, have allegiances with uh, with uh, the, the those who live in the land, and now we're fighting wars against Plishtim, and they don't come to the battle of Michmash, so they don't join the Israelites. Shaul Hamanich says, "I'm not sure about these folks," and so he, 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 perhaps perhaps he pushes them aside, perhaps he kills a bunch of them because he feels that they are turncoats themselves, like they were turncoats in the first place against their own nation. Whatever the reasons, Shaul Hamanich feels justified. Nonetheless um they 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 are affronted they are hurt they are they they have a debt to collect and they're not willing to forgive it the gomorrah goes on to say in the ne- in the next the next sentence um <clears throat> <clears throat> David says, look it's been a long time has been a, it's a while that there, there was no hesped for him. so he calls up the Nisinim and says maybe i can fix it with them they didn't re- respond to that. So, therefore, the Gemara concludes the important line. And this is the line that we are trying to get to um, in, in, our, in our learning today. Omar says, there are three signs, there are three hallmark characteristics which have to be part of the nation of Israel. Rachmanim, they are people who are merciful. B'ashonim, they are people who are shameful, bashful. Goem and they are kind. Rachmanos rachamim That means when even when the nation of Israel has to kill the city of Irani Dachas, a city which is so polluted spiritually that it, that it, that it serves of uh, Vodazara, serves. still Hashem says I'm going to supplant the rachamim the that you had to miss by doing this cruel act that the Hashem's fear should be on your face, that you should have a sense of shame. If you see a person and you don't know that they're Jewish and you see that they have these, they, these characteristics, you should check because perhaps they are in fact Jewish. That's, what, that's what the says. That's how far it goes. How is this connected? What's Davimelech what's saying? Let's, let's pull the full loop of the Gomorrah together. He's saying, "I'm speaking to you. I'm begging to you. I'm begging with you. You, know, you understand? There's a drought over here. We know that the drought is because of a sin that the nation, the, the, the leader of this nation, did against you. Have mercy. Let bygones be of bygones. Why are you holding on to this? It's it, it. Why are you why are you holding this debt, this spiritual debt, which is now causing the nation to suffer? And the only way to resolve this debt is by you getting pious, by you getting appeasement, which is going to be the death of these children, and they were not really willing to relent. So David says, Give on him, loy mi bnei Yisrael heima.'" That's, they don't have what it takes to be a part of the nation of Israel because they do not have that basic characteristic of Rahman. You cannot enter the people. I'm going to give what you're because God is agreeing with you. The drought is because of this debt and the only way to resolve this debt is this way. This terrible, this terrible, ter- terrible cruelty. But nonetheless, because you're not willing to, to have Rachmanus, you're not part of the nation of Israel. And that became the hallmark which the Gemara says is learned from this as well. By the way, just as an interesting aside, the Maharal says in this Gomorrah, you see that these three characteristics are actually, in fact, the reverse of the Ovos of, of the, of the over here. So he, he describes um, how, the, uh, when it comes to Rachmanim, where did I put the Maharal? Oh, here we are. <clears throat> the Maharal says, you uh if you look at each of these uh, each of these things one, each one comes from one of the forefathers yakosh midosoy binos rachmim. we see that uh, that that kelshakai yitlocha raham so uh, that that he that yakosh ya- ya- the idea, Yaakov's characteristic was that of mercy, as Hashem was, was pro- promised to give Him mercy. Yisok Yira, which is Busha, which is shame, and yeah, and Avraham, which means to say that each of these characteristics are inherited from one, one of the patriarchs in their own way. And, uh, and what's being said over here is that if you lack them, then perhaps it's, uh, it's, uh, you're, you're missing something in this nation. So much so that David Melech says or that, that if you see a person who doesn't seem to be Jewish but has these middles, then you should check and say maybe Let's look in the, into the, the, the genealogy. Let's see if we can find their their their, uh, their characteristics, or perhaps they're part of the nation of Israel as well. Um, it is it is worthwhile noting that. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll 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 stop here. So now let's take let's take it one step further. So how far does this go? Is this just an idea, or is this actually practical? So The truth is, that there are practical applications of this. So here's an interesting ex- example. The Gemara tells us in in Beitzah, Daf La Me The Gomorrah says a re- remarkable story. Um, the Gemara seems to have sometimes have a uh, axe to grind on babylonians sometimes you'll see you'll see ba- uh, that babylonians don't always get a good a good rap so Gemara says amarav nosan amarav bavel that's whenever you look at aramaic the word t- the letter taf is usually supplanted is, is the supplanted for the hebrew letter shin so atire <speaking in Hebrew> bavel means ashire <speaking in Hebrew> bavel those who are the rich rich men of bavel Yor <speaking in> hinom <Hebrew> they are going to the netherworld after this life kihad shabtai bar marinos like that fellow whose name was Shabtai Bar Not a no not a good fellow. Why Bavel? Iska? So uh, sorry, that Shabtai Bar came to Bavel and he requested help of the Babylonians. So it's not it's not about him, it's about the people he spoke to. He came to the city and he said, Can you give me a can you give me a job? They said no. They said, Can you at least give me money so I can have a, like a stipend, something to, to subsist on? They said no. They weren't interested. Babylonian communities weren't interested in helping him. Omar. He says, They must not be really Jewish. They, these people they, they, who are represented of the community in Babylon, probably not Jewish. If there's something so, so basic as Rachmon is missing, then you can say to yourself, this is the opposite of what Davide was saying. David Melech was saying, say, saying, ironically, is if you find somebody who's got these characteristics, check if they're Jewish. He is saying, if you see that they're lacking these characteristics, Suspect that they're not Jewish. That's uh, that's 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 how uh, important it is to to this nation. So much so, the Rambam says in Hilchos Issarbiah, when it comes to Shidduchim the, the Rambam says in, in source nine, you don't have to suspect that a family is not Jewish if there's no there's no will called red flags waving, and uh, you you, say, you assume if, from family families a Shomaytaro Mitzvahs. You don't have to say maybe, right? Romans says every it starts with what is called a Cheskas Kashris, that we assume that they are Jewish. nonetheless, <inaudible> You see that two families just can't get themselves out of the trenches against each other. They're just fighting all the time, relentlessly. Or, Mishpachas, Matzo, in <inaudible> the River you know They keep fighting with everybody around them. It's an amazing thing, you know, when, when somebody says, I have a problem with my, with my neighbor, and then they come and they say, I have a problem with my other neighbor, and I have a problem with my boss, and you realize, that it wasn't the neighbor and it wasn't the neighbor and it wasn't the boss, right? It, it's there's something else going on here, right? So they, you have that kind of family. A person who's very brazen, very difficult. Not only is that just not a good idea because it's gonna end up having it's going to be very hard to negotiate the wedding, forget the forget anything else afterwards in the apartment and anything else. But you, you have to worry, he says the I Rama means to say that there's something wrong here. There's a person who's always always criticizing other people. And there's a person who goes around you know, disqualifying other people all the time, saying they're not really Jewish. There's such a person themselves. You have to worry that maybe this person themselves But is talking about their own things. Right? So, and he goes on to, to say that, to, to, to all these ideas. And he's skipping a, a line a person who is extremely brazen a person who is cruel a person who doesn't he's not willing to be kind with other people maybe that are givani why givani because that's the hallmark of what Melech was dealing with in this in this particular story says the Rambam. israel Kadoshim shanim and that's what we learn from the Givanim. And therefore, if there's missing these things, one should be concerned not just because this is a difficult family to get involved with, but because these are hallmark characteristics. What it means to be Jewish. Complicated arena today. We have enough reasons to to, to have difficulty in shidduchim. So I'm not sure how halachal this uh, this is. But this is this is how, how far it goes. In fact, Rav Melamed in his Sefer Pinane Aluchos says it goes further than that. Not only is it not only is, it a, is a concern we're called in the the, the, we'll call it the, the, the family tree. It's, a, it's an intellectual deficiency as well. So his example is in, in, in the Likotim, it says in Nessah 10, When you learn Torah, it's not like you're learning physics, you know, biochemistry. You can be a very corrupt person and be an extremely good physicist, right? And we can name a few, right? So it's, a, it's very possible to be a morally corrupt individual and to learn a lot of Torah, to learn a lot of uh, a lot of science. Ella atoru hu davar elokim. The Torah is the way of Hashem v'alchayin. Lo yachanos matim mois yeshal li kol la ba ba leiv. It's impossible to really accept to absorb it if you don't have the right emotional intellectual preparation. Hat ha chana mina heim What is preparation? That means being a moral person, being a person who's a good person. Adam she'enem tukam be midosav la yuchal karois toras Hashem. So he says, the reason why this nation was chosen was because those are the prerequisite characteristics to be able to understand Hashem's Torah because it wasn't just like getting the you know, Physics 303 lecture under the belt and getting a good pass in that exam. What it means is, in order to be able to understand this information, you need to have these, these, these uh, characteristics. That's how far it goes, not just in terms of our genealogy, but in terms of our intellectual ability and emotional ability to be absorbed. absorbed That's how far it goes. Remarkable, remarkable story. Let's trace it all the way backwards. So where does it come from? So the Maharal says it goes all the way back to the Fathers, right? But I, I would say that it goes back to our, the original story of how the nation the nation unfolds, and that is the, the beginning of Sefer Shmos, where we hear this. We have a slave nation. We have these people in, uh, in Egypt, and, and we ha- hear about this the this, the following incident. We hear about Moshe Rabbeinu, who's this complex character. He's got a little bit of Egyptian, you know, culture. He's got a little bit of Hebrew culture. He has questions unanswered about who he is, and he goes out there and he sees. He goes out and then he sees the construction site. We're told in told uh, in source eleven. He says, He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. He sees there's no one around, no one to take action. And he kills the Egyptian, protects it. This is essentially where he jasads who he is in character. He sees sees two folks to to Hebrews who are fighting and he says, Why are you hurting the other one? Remarkable thing I mentioned just a few weeks ago, just this is such a, a sad observation is he has this moment where, you know, according to some of the was this moment where Moshe Rabbeinu was looking inside of himself. And he says, he looks this way at the Egyptian side of his character. And he looks to the Hebrew side of his character and he says, Who am I? Who am I really? Who, who, who am I? And he sees he has not made any choices, he's been a, he- he's been a hedger till his whole life and finally he decides I'm going to kill the Egyptian inside me essentially, right? He's decided he's going to now become the Hebrew that he's always been had qualms about and he, he you know this starry-eyed you know uh, um, altruistic individual is now he's now identified himself. And the next day he goes on to the construction site and he's, he says I'm a Hebrew let me help you and they said who are you? <laughs> Get it out of our makom, you know who are you <laughs> like what are you talking about why are you trying to resolve our problems so it's, it's such a sad moment in, in history where, where the Hebrew Hebrews aren't willing to, uh, to this, this newly minted Hebrew in his own psychological sense is, is being kicked out. But nonetheless, what's the hallmark of all of this? Is, is, is He says, okay, no He says at the end of this, Now I know, now I understand. W- w- so w- what does that mean? So some of the portion that the Dasa Academy says, "He's not no, was my murder yesterday, right? I just killed an Egyptian. He was a task They're going to inquire after it. They're going to start looking for his fingerprints. Now they're going to see that it's related to me. So now I'm going to be uh, on the wanted sign. I'm out of here. That's what, that's what, that's what's, um, um the basic understanding is. It says in the Muhammad no, Ochena Dava means and now I understand why it is that the nation of Israel are in goddess. Now I know why you why why you can't get out of this. Because you keep fighting with each other and telling on each other you don't have a sense of cohesion. You don't have a sense of care for one another. The only way to get out of this was for Rabbeinu to have the empathy for others. The reason they're not getting out of it is because they don't have that basic empathy for others. And that's where the two stories converge. Is this ability to be able to care for another person is the hallmark of what it means to be a free person. And missing it is therefore what, what, what brings them back to, their, so to speak, their, their doomed misentitlement as well. That's why the Midrashah says in Source 14, What does it mean the Rabbeinu saw their sufferings? He was crying with their work. What did Moshe do? It wasn't that he was standing there, you know, smoking his Egyptian cigar, looking out the, uh, you know, on the platform above the, uh, the construction site. He was pulling bricks with them. That's when it says, You can't talk about it from an intellectual, intellectual perspective, how many slaves are out there on the site right now. He was actually lugging with them. That's what, in, what, what made Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader, worthy of taking this nation out and sharing that with them. While they themselves were still blaming each other. That's what made a leader. You know, there's, there's a uh, there's a, 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 a fascinating story which is told um, about. I just want to make sure I, I, I have the name the name's correct. Very beautiful story that I, that I heard a, a while back about Rav Eliahu Chaim Maisels, who was a rob, a rob in the community in Lodz in Poland in the eighteen hundreds. And you know, in Eastern Europe it was not quite as it is today. The heating was not the same. They didn't have boilers, and it was cold, and the winters were bitter. And he was the robber of the community, and he had certain responsibilities. So. Uh, for particular at a particular time in a bitter winter, we can appreciate it right now. We're in the middle of a of a bitter winter. Try to imagine we had our boiler break just a, just a, a, a month and a half ago during the coldest week. Then, so you know, and you try to imagine what it's like being in a house like that, and it's not it's not as if the ceiling is sealed, you know, and the 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 little wooden door which you know the hinges barely hold up. You can imagine what it must be like. For people in those days, you know, in their in their one two-bedroom houses or maybe apartments. So he, the Rav go go. It decides that it's a he need. There's a lot of people in, in distress. A lot of people in need. It's a particularly cold winter, and he decides he needs to go to to collect funds to be able to help them. So he goes to the house of a fellow called whose name is Isaac, who is the uh, who is a very wealthy individual. He's a banker in town. He goes to the, to the house it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an early winter evening he knocks on the door and the snow is blowing and the wind is blowing and the valet comes to the door and says to him so um, oh, I be? he says I'm Rav I'd like to speak to to, uh, to to your master and he says absolutely please come in and he says, "No, no, I, I just want to. I just, I, I'll we'll have a conversation right here." So, so in the meantime, the the, the, the owner of the house sees what's going on. He runs to the door. And he says, "Rob." He says, "The rob, It comes to the, to the door. He says, "Come on in. I have, a, a, you know, a hearth which is raging. I'll get you a cup of cocoa." Mm-hmm. Well, we'll let, let's talk business. And the robber says, "No, no, we, we, we'll conduct, we'll conduct business here." Yeah. So, so, he says to him, "He says, look, he says, I can't take it that you're standing right here, right, right now." He says, "Come into the house. He says, says, my, my, my boots. Are my boots are full of snow? I'll ruin your rug." He says, "You take off your boots. Come on in." He comes in. He says, "Listen, there are fifty families in this community, which I need to raise money for firewood. Please, please, can you pay for the money for firewood for these people?" He says, "Absolutely." And he says, but, "But but why did you make it so difficult?" He says, "Because you can't appreciate what it means to need firewood until you experience the cold for just a little bit, even for that little that little amount of moment. In fact, there was actually research which which just which uh, you know matches up with the Chacham of Rav Maisels many years later that there was a paper published in two thousand and sixteen by." Um, Chen Wang, um, that, was, uh, that was called um, um, Experience hapt- Haptic Roughness Promotes Empathy where they, they actually showed that people who had their hand, listen to this, who had their hand on sandpaper, right, were more willing to be generous of spirit than those who are not. Isn't that quite interesting? Just having their hand on sandpaper because it's a rough experience, it's a rough exterior, and that experience of difficulty, so to speak, made them more empathetic to the cause that they're being asked about. Something as simple as that. Ramazel this in his blood, but they had to prove this in, 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 in the 2000s um, through experimentation. But the notion is, is that when you're like Moshe Rabbeinu, when you have the willing empathy, that's how you can understand who they are, and that's how you can become the leader to get out of that. And this expands one last, one last point, and this is a remarkable idea that our sex shares. And that is, is at the beginning of the, of the Seder, what do we do? We say in Aramaic, we say, So it's at the beginning of the Seder, the beginning of Magid, that, you know, this is the poor man's bread, anybody who wants to come in. And it's a little bit of, you know, it seems like a little, we feel like charlatans a little bit because, you know, really, who's coming in right now, right? You know, at this point in time, we spend, uh, you know, ages getting ready for the Seder and we've worked out just the guesses, and we have little cards for everybody, everything's just fine, right? Now we're going to, and more than that, it's like, what are you offering them? Holla right? Not the not the chicken soup, not the canederla, right? Uh, I'm not uh, no no, senor, shanzingerbraxy here, folks. But uh, you know saying? you're not asking them. You're saying take the poor man's bread, take the broken bread. That's what you should be taking in. What kind of offer is that, right? Sachs quotes right, Primo Levi. Primo Levi wrote a number of books on the Holocaust. He was a Holocaust survivor himself. Very hard books to read. One of his one of his uh, he uh, um uh, one, of, one of the books he describes is called "If This Is a Man," and he talks about how when the when the Holocaust camps were uh, were liberated. Um, in this case, by the by the Russians, um, what happened was is that that the Germans, of course, you know, immediately, um, as cowards, ran away, and many many of the many of the Jews were left there. But many of the Jews were, were terribly sick; um, they couldn't. Some of them couldn't even stand up. So they made a deal. That some of them would stay in the bank uh, in, in 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 the barracks, and the others of them would forage around because there's no food. There was no there was simply is the middle of a war. Forget the, uh, anything else. So there were those who went to forage, and they came back and they brought whatever small uh, you know um, rations they were able to. And he describes in source 16 when the broken window was repaired and the stove began to spread its heat. Something ha- seemed to re- to relax everyone in that moment. Tarawalski, a Franco Pole of 23 with Typhus, proposed to others that each of them offer a slice of bread to us three who had been working. And so it was agreed, meaning to say because there was those who had to stay back and work on the barracks and those who went out. Only a day before, a similar event would have been inconceivable. The law of the lager said, eat your own bread and if you can, that of your neighbor, and left no room for gratitude. It really meant that the lager was dead. It was the first human gesture that occurred among us. I believe that moment can be dated as the beginning of the change by which we, had, by which we who had not died slowly changed from haftlinger to men again. Meaning when we were able to care for another person. When Eli Wiesel was in the camps and he was giving his, of his soup to his father who was dying, there was one of the, one of the, 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 the Kapos to turned to him and said, Take away his, take away his soup. You're not going to survive if you don't starve your father to death. That's what, that, that, that was the way that people survived. There was no, We can't even imagine what, what people went through. Says, says, says Primo Levi, the first act of freedom was the ability to share the broken bread. And that's what we do at the Seder. Holach Ma'anya is the point in time where we reflect, what does it mean to be free? What it means to be free is to share broken bread. Yes, it may not be anything. Yes, it may be inconsequential, but when we say, we can share outwards. We, we care enough about other people. That is the hallmark of what it means to be free. That's what the hallmarker means to be a a part of the nation of Israel. Which is why it's so crucial that David later on understood that and understood who were not part of it because of this as well. What a remarkable perspective. This as opposed to the previous two ideas that we looked at. We looked at idea number one. Two, two weeks ago was the need for morality. A week ago, we looked at the idea of a shared story. Those are universal concepts. This is actually a particularistic concept. And next week, we're going to get to one other particularistic concept, and that is the, the concept of resilience as, in, as part of the nation of Israel, which is, which is the foil to what we learned today. With this, we, con- we, we conclude, and there's obviously much more to talk about in this. Yes, Moesh. If David would have arrived at this tripartite criteria of defining um, Israel, if he arrived at that, Sooner. Would you still have been so good to hand over the seven the descendants of Sheol or not? I, I didn't follow the sequence, brother. Right. So it's a, it's a good question. that's a good question. It seems, it seems that David al is saying that because I see that you're not willing to, that's why I will never, in the future, allow you to that to divide the nation. Correct. What you that. That's what it seems like. Correct. Correct. Yes. Something and something had not happened internally of them. Exactly. Exactly. And that that was what distinguished them. Rabbi, right, thank you very, very much. Have a wonderful, meaningful weekend.